Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. This is a Literary Studies podcast, and I'm Natalia, one of the hosts on the channel. Today I will be speaking uh, with Dr. Mark Andrejcik, and we will be discussing his book, The Intellectual as Hero in the uh, 1990s Ukrainian Fiction. Hello, uh, Dr. Mark Andrejcik, and thank you so much for uh, being with us today. Hello, hello, good morning, and uh, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to discussing uh, my book with you. Thank you so much. Uh, would you mind if we begin this interview with you saying a few words about yourself? Uh, sure. I work at Columbia University in New York City, where I administer uh, the Ukrainian Studies program at the Harriman Institute, and I teach Ukrainian literature at the Slavic Department at Columbia. Ukrainian Studies program... Uh, um, what it entails is we organize Ukrainian courses at Columbia uh, and series of events and conferences um, that take place at, at the university. Um, one of the ongoing things uh, that we've been organizing in what's been nine years now is a contemporary Ukrainian literature series where we've been bringing over authors from Ukraine to meet with audiences in New York and in Washington, D.C. at the Kennan Institute because they are a co-sponsor of this series. Um, and that's been a very exciting initiative, and I'm happy to say that uh, next year we'll be publishing an anthology of contemporary Ukrainian literature in English translation based on these evenings that we've had and these authors that we have uh, brought over. Oh, uh, thank you. That sounds great. And could you tell us a little bit about those recent, probably, uh, meetings mi- meetings with Ukrainian writers? Uh, sure. Uh, last year, last they usually take place in the fall, in October or November. Um, but uh, last year, we had a young writer from Ukraine, uh, Sofia Andrukhovich. Mm-hmm. Um, she lives in Kiev, um, and she was reading from her award-winning novel, Felix Austria, uh, which is being now translated to English, and it has been translated into German and I think Polish already as well. Um, other guests that have come over the last nine years have been um, Taras Prochasko, Serhii Jadan, Ivan Malkovich, Yuri Andrukhovich, Viktor Neborak, mm-hmm. um, Andriy Bondar, Soshko Bojchenko, uh, Andrei Kurkov. Mariana Sauka, uh, and this year, next month, we're very excited to our newest installment of the program. We will have a writer, a poet, who lives in Kiev, Luba uh, Yakimchuk. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned that um, you will be publishing a, a new anthology on Ukrainian literature. Um, could you just mention a couple of uh, names that will be included included into this anthology? Yes, this this is uh, will be published by Academic Studies Press, and mm-hmm. like I said, hopefully uh, next year. And well, uh, the names that I mentioned uh, already will all be there because it will exclusively feature authors that have presented in this series. So uh, all those authors I just mentioned, I also mentioned some that I haven't. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. remember if I mentioned Vasily Gabor or Andriy Bondor, Mariana Sauka. Um, Yuri Venetchuk, mm-hmm. uh, I think, I think, 
got all of them, so it's going to be a total of 15 authors. Well, um, that sounds wonderful. Well, uh, I'm, oh, we're looking forward to this new publication. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So the title of your book is The Intellectualist Hero in 1990s Ukrainian Fiction. And um, in the introduction with an intriguing title, Approaching the Post-Soviet Ukrainian Intellectual or the Word Intellectual, pronounced with an Ukrainian accent, you outline the concept the intellectual as diverse and multi-layered. Could you tell us a little bit about the diversity and multi-layeredness of the concept to the intellectual and how did this interpretation shape your research? Yeah, um, well, I'll backtrack a little bit uh, to say why you know I, I, I took on this uh, this this task in, mm-hmm. of writing this book and why I focused on this Ukrainian uh, intellectual and how I defined it. Uh, I spent a lot of 1990s uh, in, in Ukraine working on various projects and uh, I was picking up, uh, trying to keep up with all these uh, new literary works that were being uh, published, mostly early on in, in magazines and journals, uh, but later in, in books. Uh, and I was focusing on prose, and I noticed a lot of the most more intriguing and and, and interesting works uh, happened to, to feature Ukrainian intellectuals as, as protagonists. And... Uh, I had never noticed this in Ukrainian literature before that that this was uh, that so much focus was uh, was given to this Ukrainian intellectual, and um, that's when I decided uh, it'd be interesting to see what kind of new prototypes of the Ukrainian intellectual are presented in these literary works, and to work towards defining the term intellectual by tracing how these protagonists act in this prose while navigating their relationship with power and society, and. By choosing uh, the term intellectual, I had to kind of define what what I what I meant from. It. I took kind of a uh, maybe a bit narrower uh, understanding of the term, but um, intellectual, as I refer to it, is to creative individuals, and these are artists and those including critics and scholars who devote their lives to analysis and interpretation of the creative activity of these individuals. And those are the type of intellectuals that actually were saturating this prose, and that's why I chose to to focus on them. Okay, uh, thank you. And you mentioned that um, you spent the 1990s in Ukraine. And uh, could you tell us a, bit, a little bit about that stay in Ukraine and um, um, what you were researching uh, in terms of maybe journals or texts or uh, maybe you were affiliated with some institutions in Ukraine? Uh, actually, uh, it, it started out uh, quite interestingly. I, I came. I'm a musician, and mm-hmm. uh, I was a DJ um, at Drexel University, the BKDU in Philadelphia. And um, I was interested in what was happening musically in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and I, I, I met some interesting people. Uh, I was mostly in Cave and in the View, and I met. Uh, People representative of the the, the music scene uh, mm-hmm. of the early '90s, mid '90s, and what became fascinating is how tightly woven um, the music scene was with the literature scene and with the visual arts scene. Uh, a lot of these new bands in Ukraine that I found to be most interesting were setting uh, writing songs set to poetry by these contemporary writers who were their friends and colleagues, and then often. Visual artists uh, from that scene would would design books for these writers and album covers for these musicians. So it was a really interesting, tightly knit scene. And so it was through music that I was mostly pulled into to literature, and uh, and I just 
saw that there was very exciting things happening. And as I mentioned at the beginning, I just started trying to get my hands on on things that were published. Uh, initially, uh, again, things were a lot of these works, uh, both poetry and prose, but we're, we're talking about prose today, uh, in journals such as um, Chetfer was a very interesting journal that was published in Ivano Frankivsk, where a lot of uh, this new prose would uh, debut, and also um, probably the central uh, journal, more formal journal, uh, publishing cave um, called Sujasnist, mm-hmm. contemporary scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I find this connection between music and literature very interesting. Um, and as far as I remember, the um, music scene in the 1990s was very diverse and very tumultuous. Um, could, you, could you give us just a couple of names of Ukrainian bands, probably or Ukrainian singers, that somehow um, inspired you for this uh, pursuit of this topic, the intellectual, uh, or somehow influenced uh, your research? Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I would have to say two of the... Two of the main bands that were tied with the literature scene that I got close with were two bands. One was uh, called Plach Yeremi, Jeremiah's mm-hmm. Cry. The other was uh, Mertvi Pivin, uh, mm-hmm. the dead minister. And uh, Plach was led by Taras Chubai, whose father was a, a kind of a leader of this uh, literary cultural underground in Soviet Yuvia in the late 60s and early 70s. And then um, wonderful poet who unfortunately died quite young and Taras uh, was singing writing songs to his father's poetry and the poetry is beautiful and Taras's interpretations were quite beautiful so um, that was a huge um, influence and kind of sparked my curiosity and then uh, Taras uh, as well as uh, Dead Rooster Matthew Piven also wrote songs of contemporary poets uh, mostly writers uh, from the Bubabu literary uh, trio, uh, Yuri Andorkovich, Viktor Neborak, and some uh, on Sashko Irvanetsis, but also other uh, writers as well. Mm-hmm. That, that sounds wonderful, yeah. Uh, well, so let's get back to, uh, to our discussion of your uh, book. And uh, the time period that um, your book covers is the 1990s. And I would like to speak a little bit about that uh, time period in terms of history. And since Ukrainian literature it appears to respond to the changing environment, the, on the one hand, that was the collapse of the Soviet Union, and on the other hand, it was the emergence of an independent country. So uh, could, you, could you describe the 1990s historically just to introduce us to the multiple artistic searches of Ukrainian writers that were em- emerging during the time period? Yeah, uh, like I said, it was a fascinating time, and, and, and I, was, I was happy to be there uh, then um, to witness some of these changes. Uh, well, you know, of course, you had Glasnost uh, in the second half of the 1980s and this loosening of, of rules on culture and in general, and, uh, and the eventual collapse of the Soviet Union. Uh, and what it meant for Ukrainian literature was, uh, for the first time in a long time uh, in Ukraine, uh, Ukrainian literature was freed from from confines and rules that were assigned to it quite strictly. Uh, and this generation of writers that I focus on in, in my in my monograph, this Visindesiatnik, or 80s generation, 80 years, um, they happen to be that generation that was 
beginning to write at this time in the late 80s and, and 90s, and they became kind of the first generation to lead uh, Ukrainian literature in independent Ukraine. Uh, so, you know, so what's happening in Ukraine? You have, not only do you have this freedom uh, for these writers to write whatever they want and whatever style they want, uh, which which was not really uh, able uh, possible earlier, but uh, you, you have you know sudden access to the world and to world culture, uh, which had been closed off, mm-hmm. uh, and that that was in a very exciting and and chaotic and head spinning mm-hmm. development. Uh, but also one very important factor also uh, that was uh, in place at this time was you have this rehabilitation of, of previous cultural achievements, uh, Ukraine cultural achievements, and not just Ukraine, but for these writers. Um, what I mean by that were, is a lot of uh, Ukrainian writers whose works were suppressed during the Soviet Union for, for many, many years uh, were being, suddenly there was more access to them. Books were being published where, uh, even if, if some works had been allowed by these writers, uh, previously, now there was access to more of these works, and there was actually some critical analysis of these works. So, I mean, it's really interesting. You can just even look at what books were being published. So, just to recap, you have uh, previously banned Ukrainian literature uh, anthologies uh, starting to show up in bookstores or, or, or single books. Then you have slowly translations of world literature uh, of books uh, that were previously closed off to the world. And then you have these uh, books by, by contemporary writers. And um, so this is all happening at once, uh, which added to the, uh, to the excitement. Right. Um, I was um, I was impressed by um, that section where you discussed um, the previous stages of the Ukrainian literature and um, some works were either banned or they were presented through some uh, Soviet propaganda. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, there was uh, a very strong influence of critical um, of uh, critical analysis and um, literary criticism, so to speak, when some works were presented uh, through some um, uh, communist ideology or uh, Soviet ideology and um, probably the perception of those te- uh, texts um, was some, uh, somehow uh, distorted or um, shaped according to to that ideology? Um, c- could you tell us just a little uh, a little bit about that uh, influence of, so to speak, Soviet uh, criticism on uh, Ukrainian uh, texts or Ukrainian writers during the eighties, for example, during even the seventies? Well, again, I mean. Like you mentioned, uh, a lot of works were banned. Uh, a lot of the more interesting works were banned, and what was published, uh, you know, by the writers' community of Ukraine and sanctioned, were, uh, you know, not the best things that were being written in mm-hmm. the Ukraine language at the time. Uh, you know, a lot of these writers who later began publishing their works in the nineties were, you know, writing for the drawer. They were not publishing this, where they would distribute it, uh, you know, just among friends and. Right. That, that would get you in trouble, especially, um, you know, in the 60s and, and the 70s. And that's exactly what happened to Hrisko Chubai, Taras Chubai's father, as leader of this underground um, circle 
which included uh, such important people as Viktor Morozov and Nikola Ryabchuk, um, and uh, Oleg Lesheha, later Yuri Vinachuk, was they had published a, a journal uh, called Skrinya, The Chest, which was, was fully apolitical. It was just, you know, nonconformist journal about free art and free expression and free thinking. And it was for that journal that uh, Shaha and Moroza were thrown out of university because they had, their works were published there and Chubai was marginalized uh, for the rest of his life. And uh, so that was what was not being published officially. What was being published officially, mm-hmm. and like you mentioned, uh, was uh, presented through a, through a prism of Soviet ideology, uh, was, first of all, uh, for Ukrainian literature, it was mostly, it was very rarely you saw in Ukrainian literature that was published officially in Soviet times where you had a Ukrainian intellectual. Mm-hmm. Uh, you very seldom had uh, Ukrainians set in some kind of urban situation, yes, mm-hmm. and it to be a more of a rural uh, setting. Uh, and, you know, general rules as to what what could be uh, presented, uh, what could be referenced, uh, alluded to. Um, this whole Ukrainian modernism and world modernism, you know, had been cut off and expressions uh, of the individual um, were not free. You couldn't do it freely in the Soviet, um, Soviet sanctioned words. Mm-hmm. So one more question about um, Ukrainian intellectual, uh, which is probably not very closely related to um, your research of the 1990s, but still... Um, so what's your opinion on um, on this particular topic, on this particular aspect uh, during the 1920s uh, when the Soviet um, regime was getting stronger and... Um, but at the beginning of the 1920s, there was some probably um, euphoric, like you mentioned in your research, uh, part one, euphoric uh, anticipation maybe of uh, uh, some new uh, environment or maybe some hopes and some expectations. But of course, they um, disappear, uh, disappeared uh, quite um, uh, quickly. So um, did, did, you, did you do any research on this particular topic? I mean, the uh, Ukrainian intellectual within the 1920s? Uh, yeah, I have researched the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even focused on the Ukrainian intellectual as I did in, you know, in my monograph here on contemporary works. But I actually I do teach a course at Columbia mm-hmm. uh, on that period. And yeah, I mean that was a that was a fabulous, uh, very exciting period for Ukraine culture, visual art as well, and music, um, and for literature uh, first and foremost. Uh, you had uh, writers writing in various styles mm-hmm. and uh, having a a good, healthy polemic, uh, mm-hmm. which only helped to to raise the quality of their works. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you had uh, the city of Kharkiv was a major center then for this activity. Um, you had journals, you had exciting collaborations uh, happening among uh, various uh, writers and artists, visual artists. So it was it was a fascinating time, and for Ukrainian literature, in the if we're talking about prose, then you had interesting characters. You had uh, uh, protagonists in these works. Uh, and, uh, in fact, what 
what I'm making the point I'm making is this this reconnection uh, that these 80 years, the contemporary Ukrainian mm-hmm. writers were doing, was reconnecting with this Ukrainian modernism. Um, and the big part of that was the writers from the 20s who, whose works were being republished uh, 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 at the time in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, but also with writers, emigre writers, uh, like the New York group uh, in the United States who, who kept... Uh, Ukrainian modernism alive um, mm-hmm. in the years of the Soviet Union. And, and what happened to that vibrant cultural environment back in the 1920s? Well, what happened was, you know, initially there was a policy of Ukrainization mm-hmm. uh, that was implemented in order to uh, get the message uh, of uh, Soviet ideology to to the Ukrainian peasant, uh, and so, you know, it was supported by the government. Again, journals, um, there was financial support for Ukrainian literature, and in the beginning, there weren't many constraints on it, but uh, it tended to, it got too good, mm-hmm. <laughs> and too, you know, it was. It became, like I mentioned, it was, it was a very good polemic, and great works were being written, and then... As you know, the twenties came to an end, and, and, and literature was being uh, command of, of Soviet literature was being increasingly centralized, uh, and the writers' union was established. Then um, this was put to an end, and mm-hmm. uh, strict rules were enforced of what uh, Soviet literature, including Soviet Ukrainian literature, was to do. And unfortunately, uh, most of the representatives of this. Uh, cultural uh, rebirth, Ukrainian cultural rebirth, were uh, executed. Mm-hmm. So this revival of um, uh, cultural life you also discuss in your book, and uh, I, I would like to um, uh, talk a little bit about the structure of your book. I find it very interesting. It um, has three parts, uh, euphoria, chaos, and community. Uh, and these three parts, to some extent, reflect the um, stages of um, Ukrainian literature development during this time period. On the other hand, it also somehow represents the changing moods uh, during um, this time period that um, was um, that were observed in the Ukrainian community. So, could I? Uh, and then each part um, has some subtitles, uh, and here you discuss um, uh, new prototypes of the Ukrainian intellectual. Um, some of them are uh, very um, um, interesting. The swashbuckling performer, the ambassador to the West, the sick soul. Um, could you tell us a little bit about these different masks uh, of the Ukrainian intellectual and about uh, these stages that you identify in the Ukrainian literature of this time period? Sure, yeah. Uh, again, like I mentioned at, at the outset, uh, I was looking... You know, what were there any new prototypes of Ukrainian intellectuals presented by this uh, post-Soviet prose? And and these are the three that I found in this mm-hmm. prose. The, the swashbuckling performer is uh, a Ukrainian intellectual as being at the center of uh, some kind of interesting event. Uh, th- this is intellectual that um, this is an individual that people want to listen to, the crowds adhere to, almost like a rock star, uh, almost like an action hero. Uh, and this we see primarily in the prose of Yuri Andrukhovich, his first three novels. Uh, 
this Ukraine intellectual as an individual that somebody aspires, that looks up to, uh, and has this power of performance, and this power of performance uh, allows him to enchant the audience. So that that was a new uh, prototype that I found in the prose. The, the second, the second prototype, the ambassador to the West, uh, was. What you found in these works, in many of these works, were these uh, protagonists, intellectuals, were sent to the West, uh, and in these in these uh, fictional works, we see how a they react to the West, uh, what their perceptions are, uh, how they find what is compatible to them, what is not, what is strange, uh, what what did they think they would find there. Uh, so you and you also have this reporting. Uh, to the Ukrainian reader uh, about the West, uh, mm-hmm. what they found there. But probably most importantly, you have uh, a sense of what happens with contact with the West and what the West knows or doesn't know uh, about Ukraine. And uh, and much of this is based on real life because uh, in the early 90s, uh, a lot of the you know, these uh, these writers, these uh, eighty years writers, were among the first uh, you know people to getting invited to universities, uh, and they did spend time in the West. So it's not strange that they ended up uh, creating characters that maybe you know could express some of the things that they experienced there. Uh, so that's a very important uh, character, which of course we, we couldn't have had in Soviet mm-hmm. Ukraine literature. Uh, this ambassador to the West, because of course the West is what everybody was fascinated with then. But then you have the third uh, and quite prevalent protagonist in these works of the Ukraine intellectuals is a sick or abnormal mm-hmm. uh, individual. Uh, you have a lot of alcoholism. You have a lot of self-destruction. You have a lot of allusions to sickness, that something's not quite right, that uh, uh, to, to be an Ukraine intellectual is, 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 is just you're off kilter to begin with. Uh, and we see a lot of these um, these characters, these six sick characters who are suffering the fate of their people uh, through through these characters. So that's the third uh, prototype. Mm-hmm. And uh, what about this third section, community? Well, you mentioned the three sections, um, euphoria, chaos, and, and community. And it's, it's important to say that understand that these three tendencies they often intertwined they coexisted and they conflicted of course um and when i when i mention euphoria i'm talking about the deconstruction of inherited myths this 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 destruction of authority of rules uh celebration of freedom to proceed with deconstruction this uh, this revelry this party uh, deconstructive revelry is what I call one of the subsections. But then you have this chaos, this kind of sense of disappointment, disillusionment, and a return to the margins. Uh, uh, if you have the Ukraine intellectual as the central figure in this euphoria, uh, um, because they knew the West uh, the best, because they, they did have uh, some access to this uh, unofficially, uh, if you have this swashbuckling performer, you have this uh, person traveling to the West, and you have this uh, Ukrainian intellectual at the center, here he's, uh, or she's returned to the, to the margins, and you get the sense of this disappointment and sense of a lost generation. And then 
there's a lot of contradictions here because you have this uh, need for some kind of structure that you just dismantle. And this is where this community comes. That there's a need for a sense of structure that, but that is not totalitarian, that is not, uh, that is flexible, that is playful, uh, but that nonetheless gives you a sense of community. And this arena of contradictions, this battle between freedom structures is, is, is a balance, is, is a search for a balance compatible with this post-Soviet Ukraine identity. So, uh, like you mentioned, during this time period, Ukraine became open to the West, and on the other hand, the West became open to Ukraine. So, probably it will be um, correct to say that Ukrainian literature was somehow responding to the um, international, so to speak, developments of um, uh, literature. And it was the time period when postmodernism was still quite um, strongly shaping um, many literatures. Uh, and uh, could we uh, talk a little about a, a little bit? about uh, this um, postmodernism presence in Ukrainian li- literature. Um, in your book, uh, you uh, uh, identify that um, um, the perception of postmodernism in, uh, was uh, quite controversial. On the one hand, Ukrainian writers were quite enthusiastic about those possibilities that postmodernism would uh, re- uh, present them with. Um, on the other hand, um, they was some resistance or some um, um, well, some some uh, pro- maybe negative won't be the correct word, but like cautious attitude toward that um, uh, trend. Um, on the other hand, Ukrainian uh, audience, as uh, you specify, um, was also quite. Um, uh, not quite ready to um, um, receive this postmodern text. Could you could you t- talk uh, about this aspect a little bit about these controversies of um, postmodernism reception in um, Ukrainian uh, literature during this time period? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, l- like I just just mentioned previously, uh, a lot of this this. Um, deconstruction of, of, of rules and of systems that was inherited. And it's important here to also mention that they were not just deconstructing uh, the Soviet or colonial uh, legacy, but they were also deconstructing uh, the Ukrainian national legacy and what was ex- uh, required, uh, what was um Expected of a Ukrainian writer, because there were there were rules there as well. Obviously, not as strict as the uh, as the Soviet, but uh, rules nonetheless that these writers decided to need to free themselves from. Um, you know, the serving the nation and uh, also strict themes of what could be written. Uh, so they also dismantled that the idea of a truth uh, mm-hmm. in a work, uh, a narrative, uh, the truth. Uh, you know, the authors. Uh, and language itself, uh, and yes, it, it was it was controversial, um, and, and there were not all writers in Ukraine writing in the nineties uh, did this, uh, but adopted postmodernism. But uh, there were groups that were quite actually it was negative. Uh, they were criticized very much for this. Uh, there were uh, young writers, their colleagues, uh, who who said that this isn't right for Ukrainian literature. We need to you know. Don't just copy the West. Why are you just copying mm-hmm. the West? We might we need to find something that's organic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there there was a debate uh, there, um, uh, and audiences. We're talking about audiences. Then uh, sure, uh, they were. There was very negative uh, reactions to this. Um, just as an example, 
the, 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 the journal that I mentioned earlier, Suchasny's, the contemporary scene, it used to be published in the Soviet times. It was the top intellectual Ukraine journal. It was published uh, in, in Munich and then transferred to New York. And then when Ukraine became independent, uh, it moved to, to Kiev. And uh, the first issue that was published in Ukraine, uh, it's very interesting because it wasn't just a uh, it, was a, it wasn't just a literary journal. Uh, many things were were, uh, were covered by the journal. But on the cover of that first cave uh, version of Suchasny's, you had a picture of uh, Leonid Kravchuk, mm-hmm. the f- president of, of Ukraine then. Uh, and the first uh, prose work that was in there was Yuri Andrkovich's Recreations. And uh, a lot of uh, subscribers to this journal that made it possible were people emigrates, uh, many of them uh, a bit older, and uh, there was a lot, a lot of negative criticism uh, thrown at Suchasny's and at the literary editor at that time, Mikola Repchuk, who was part of Chubai's literary underground in the 60s and 70s, that he pu- published Andrkovich, uh on the pages, and uh, nasty letters were written, uh, canceling subscriptions, and uh, so there was a lot of backlash uh also outside of Ukraine, uh, for 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 this new literature, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. playful and postmodern uh, as 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 Andrukovich and the Buba Bu were was they actually utilized some of these letters uh, when these books were published and, and quoted them, uh, saying how horrible these works are. And when the when the Recreations was finally published as a book, then it included some of these some of these nasty letters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you just mentioned that um, uh, some Ukrainian writers or or even some Ukrainian readers believe that uh, postmodernism is not right uh, for Ukrainian literature and um, that they um, need some more uh, some something more organic. So could you uh, could you explain that a little bit? Uh, what is not right for the Ukrainian literature and uh, what is right for the Ukrainian literature according to uh, those Ukrainian writers uh, who are quite uh, um, careful about this adoption of a postmodernism um, in Ukraine. Yeah, uh, there was expressed the, the, the idea that the Ukrainian literature needs to do something for the Ukrainian people. Mm-hmm. The Ukrainian uh, literature is, is now free. Ukraine is now free, and there has to be a spiritual aspect to it. It has to be uh, looking inwards, finding something that's uniquely Ukrainian. Um, Again, not copying uh, what they consider to be Western styles, uh, the playfulness uh, of a lot of this literature uh, was also seen as uh, not appropriate. The dismantling of the Ukrainian national um, rules that I mentioned uh, was also seen as, as, as not right. Why would they be doing that now when Ukraine's finally free? Why are they attacking that as well? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a, it was a, an idea that Ukraine is not quite ready yet for this play uh, that the West maybe has, that we need to first build some foundation. Now we have an opportunity to do this, but uh, these writers are uh, playing with this so-called postmodernism and they're and they were accused of doing this only to get published and invited uh, to the West. Um, so 
those those were the main criticism of this. Mm-hmm. And where would you locate the role of tradition in this conversation about what is right, what is not right for uh, Ukrainian literature? Um, because if, um, in your book, you also discuss the uh, combination of um, new searches and uh, incorporation of um, uh, literary traditions while searching for, again, for something new or for something maybe more organic for Ukrainian literature or more unique for Ukrainian literature. Well, yeah, in a lot of a lot of uh, what uh, these writers were criticized for were uh, and for playing with the idea of, of what the Ukrainian tradition uh, requires of the Ukrainian writer uh, and this need to serve the nation uh, and which was always you know a big part of it since <laughs> Ukrainian literature as it came out with you know it's this was always a requirement, uh, except for very few periods of time. This was kind of the dominant um, tradition uh, of mm-hmm. Ukrainian literature. And uh, and these writers played with that idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, But for them, it was as essential as shaking off any uh, colonial um, or Soviet uh, rules. Uh, it, was, it was about being... F- freely expressing oneself uh, in art. And, of course, you know, they are serving the Ukrainian people and the nation, if you want to call it that way, by writing good literature and, mm-hmm. uh, and creating a vibrant uh, Ukrainian culture that, that people uh, may be interested in outside of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, it was kind of a narrow way of looking uh, at this writing uh, by saying that they're rejecting tradition, but because, of course, they are part of the tradition. It's just a different approach to it, to taking advantage of, uh, of the situation and the freedom allotted to them. Right. Uh, so uh, Ukrainian literature means that you, uh, literature is uh, written in the Ukrainian language. And, uh, uh, well, Maybe uh, some um, writers were using some uh, different language, like Russian, but I would like to uh, talk a little bit about the role of language in this um, conversation about Ukrainian literature of the 1990s. And, um, uh, of course, to some extent, it's a part of the conversation about postmodernism, but on the other hand, uh, it's a very specific uh, discussion in the context of um, Ukrainian community, because um, when we talk about um, uh, languages in Ukraine during this time period, we also uh, mean uh, not only Ukrainian language, but the uh, Russian language as well, and the coexistence of these two languages in the territory of Ukraine is quite long and complex. Complicated, uh, but uh, specifically for this period, this coexistence um, appeared to be um, quite significant and uh, important, and um, it also contributed uh, not only to the development of Ukrainian literature during this time period, but also to some uh, identity formation. So, would you make a couple of comments about uh, about um, the Ukrainian language during this time period and about uh, the perception of the Ukrainian language during this time period and uh, how writers were using the language to deliver their messages and to uh, shape probably um, new identity or uh, to deliver this uh, new um, uh, new searches um, uh, in the context of changing environments. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, when, when you mentioned uh, at the beginning of this question about Ukrainian 
literature written in the Ukrainian language. Um, you know, you can define Ukrainian literature in many ways. Um, right. You know, literature that is written by a Ukrainian citizen, um, you know, <laughs> to broader even Ukrainian literature written out, you know, outside Ukraine, uh, by Ukrainian language. So, you know, there's many ways of defining this. Uh, and But for the purposes of, of, of my book, I focused on uh, writers that write in Ukrainian because uh, that was an essential part of, of, um, of what they explored in this and the, the language itself, like you mentioned, and the, the kind of this postmodern dismantling of language in general, but also the specific uh, force, the specific uh, issue of the Ukrainian language uh, is, is such an essential part of, of, of these prose works that um, it, it, you know, you have to be explored this way. Uh, you know, Ukrainian language, as you mentioned, has a complex history in Ukrainian lands. Uh, you know, its existence was denied; it was banned mm-hmm. yeah. by actual Tsar's decrees. Uh, it, it, you know, when it has been allowed uh, to be used in culture, it was it was curtailed, it was co-opted and standardized. Uh, its unique features were 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 diminished. Uh, you know, when when you would have. Uh, Ukraine dictionaries, Soviet Ukraine dictionaries, uh, would uh, omit uh, a perfectly uh, good Ukrainian word, but mm-hmm. uh, replace it with uh, just a Ukrainian-sounding version of a Russian word for it, let's mm-hmm. say. So, you know, uh, certain letters were removed from the alphabet. Uh, so it's... And how Ukrainian language people were, were presented in, in Soviet culture, uh, kind of as these country bumpkins or marginals, uh, you know, the Ukrainian language was made an issue already. So mm-hmm. uh, as a subject uh, in these works, uh, as a theme, uh, it's important for these writers to take it on. Uh, and and they do that. Zoksana Zabushko, one of the writers I focus on in the book, mentioned in an essay, uh, choosing to write in the Ukrainian language, you know, at the time, in the 80s, basically you're, you're, you're choosing to write in a language that's eventually going to die out. Right. Right. Uh, nobody knew at that time that uh, Ukraine would be free, and but that's the way it was heading. So it's not a logical choice. So um, it's it's already some kind of choice made for another purpose, uh, and that's why these uh, criticisms of these writers for not serving the Ukrainian cause, uh, you know, seem kind of ridiculous when just choosing the right thing, the language. Unfortunately, it comes with all this baggage. So, and this is kind of what I'm talking about about this. This things that contradict one another. So you have these writers trying to get away from uh, this this baggage that comes with writing the Ukrainian language and creating Ukrainian literature and be free. Uh, but on the other hand, they know that this comes with it, and they try to play with it, but they cannot distance themselves from it because they are writing in this language and because of the complex history of this language. Uh, so, and that's a very essential part of this Ukrainian literature that I'm focusing on: the, the issue of the Ukrainian language. Mm-hmm. So, um, you primarily um, uh, focused on the 1990s um, for your research, and um, um, what about the uh, perception of uh, of the language, the Ukrainian language, and um, um, of the topic that you raised in your research, the Ukrainian intellectual um, in the uh, 21st century, the beginning of the 20, uh, 21st century? Um, could you could you make a couple of comments on the very current uh, trends, and if you observe 
observe any other new uh, mass of the Ukrainian intellectual or any other um, any other um, different uh, approaches to the Ukrainian language at present moment? Uh, well, I mean, you're asking to comment on the. Uh, a later generation of literature right. uh, uh, what 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 do you yeah there, there's less of uh, there's less of preoccupation it, 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 to compare them with the 80s writers uh, this idea of the west uh, is, is, is is not uh, as it's approached differently for example mm-hmm. when Sergei Zhidans who's who's a bit younger than these writers when his first book of prose uh, was um, published you know, he sends his his protagonist to Europe, but he's not having all these. He's not suffering from all this uh, these contacts with uh, people in the West that are ignorant of Ukraine. He, you know, he's sitting on a bench drinking beer in Vienna, and he's mm-hmm. and he's happy with that. So this idea of of making this contact and exploring that is no longer necessary. Uh, in the same ways as the the um, the deconstruction that took place uh, in the 90s by these writers. Uh, there's no need to do that anymore. Opening up uh, uh, new uh, new themes that can be explored in Ukrainian literature, dismantling a lot of these rules. Uh, the, the younger writers don't need to do that anymore because it's been done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was done by this generation, you know, you know, writing freely about sex or a woman writing about sex and using slang words uh, in, in, in literature. Uh, there's, so there's no, there's no need, uh, to do that where in, in these, uh, works of the 90s, you, you see that, uh, you see, you know, it coming through that the, the, these writers need to do that. Um, so you have, you have less of that. Uh, some new tendencies mm-hmm. in, in, in the literature now, these newer writers, uh, well, it's interesting. Uh, a lot of themes that are were presented in the nineties, uh, themes such as nostalgia, yes, mm-hmm, right. nostalgia for a for a pre-Soviet kind of Ukraine or Ukraine identity. Uh, it's being challenged mm-hmm. uh, in, in works and, and and revisited and critiqued in works. Uh, one interesting tendency you see is a lot of or several. Uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but several books. Uh, that I've read in the last couple of years that have come out, you have a lot of, uh, you have characters, the, the setting, you, you have a character set in present times and a character set in the past. And it's an uh, interesting way of revisiting uh, Ukrainians' uh, history and past uh, in, in contemporary and commenting on it. So I've seen that recently, uh, and I'm being very general here. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and of course, in the last uh, two years, we've had a, a lot of, literature written about the uh, the war uh, mm-hmm. in East Ukraine. Uh, themes such as volunteering popping up, anthologies about volunteering. Um, so that of course is is, is a is a new a new thing in Ukraine literature. Mm-hmm. So we- we're looking forward to the emergence of new characters and new um, um, new characters in Ukrainian in Ukrainian literature. Well, uh, thank you so much for this fascinating discussion uh, of your book, uh, Mark. And thank you, Natalia. Thank you very much for your your great questions. And uh, thank you so much for being with us today.